Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, I'm back in Starkville. Got back last night a little after midnight. I don't know what the heck happened in Kentucky yesterday. I didn't think I'd ever get through the state of Kentucky. Uh, something happened on I-71 after that. But, uh, but yeah, we made it. Happy to be back. Uh, Want to wish you all a very uh, Merry Christmas weekend. So, and just so you're curious about this, uh, you know, today... I plan to record on Christmas, too. Yeah. So you'll have that if you're traveling uh, back from uh, Grandma's house or whatever. So we'll uh, we'll plan to do that. I don't have anything going on, you know. I don't. I don't know what you're doing. But uh, we're going to have a chill week uh, weekend. That's plan anyway. We, had, we were in Ohio. You guys know last week. Uh, if you've never been to Columbus, Ohio, it's a pretty cool town. I didn't go by and see the uh, horseshoe. Uh, I was there a couple years ago, a few years ago now, when we uh, covered the Women's Final Four, Robbie Falk and I went up there and covered the uh, NCAA Women's Final Four. Mississippi State should have won an AFL championship. We didn't. would have been our first in a major sport, but we uh, we couldn't close the deal. You guys know what happened against Notre Dame, how crazy all that was. But uh, that was my, my second time this week going up to Columbus. And uh, uh, super cool, man. i tell you what's interesting, too, about um, Columbus is the um, – They've got a lot of areas up there. They have uh, put some money into the infrastructure. Now, the highways are terrible, but uh, that's to be expected with all that weather up there. But uh, it's good to be back in the SIP. One of the things I've noticed, too, and I mean no offense to anybody. Seriously, I don't mean any offense to anybody that lives in the Midwest Territory. I joke with Mike and stuff about that all the time. Uh, it's it's kind of all the same up there. I mean, it really is. But the thing that I've noticed, man, is like the bathrooms up there smell really bad. And it's the water, like the way they have to treat the water and everything. It just smells funky to me. And I guess if you're up there, you get used to it for a while. And then the closer I got south, you know, you stop at those, uh, you know, pilot travel centers and Loves. Loves my favorite if you're looking to sponsor Loves. Um, but yeah, the farther south I got, uh, the better the restrooms uh, smelled. I know that's a weird thing, but um, it was different for sure. And we actually ate it uh, at, at Big Boy. Uh, somewhere in Kentucky, somewhere up there, stopped and got some lunch at the Big Boy. Had the Big Boy burger. They have the uh, they put tartar sauce on the burger, which seems weird to me. And so I decided to get the spicy tartar on the side, and I liked it. Uh, so yeah, the Big Boy. I didn't know we had Big Boys anymore, but we do. Nothing compares to the big one though. And you know you know I'm right. If you live in South Mississippi, you know that I'm right. Don't I ever take for granted that you can go get a big one whenever you want to. Anytime that I'm in the South, it doesn't matter if I've eaten or not, I'll at least get a little one, even if I've already eaten. I, did, I have to. I make have to make that pilgrimage. And uh, one of my favorite wards is that one right there at, uh, I guess it's Heidelberg off of uh, 59. You take that exit right there, swing through there. Very, very well-operated organization. I don't know who owns it. I don't know anything about it, but I know this. I know that uh, I do love the wards. I do. I do. I love the wards. Hey, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Speaking of burgers, love Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, probably one of the reasons we don't have awards up here is because Bulldog Burger Company is so dominant as a brand. Uh, I think you should go by and check them out, too, whether you're in uh, Tupelo or the Roots and Flowood area or in Starkville. Three great locations to serve you uh, right here on University Drive, of course, and then Gloucester Street and Tupelo and Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. 
We all need more of that. In addition to that, you can have uh, that chocolate shake to go, but the, the reason you go is great restaurant-quality hamburgers. It's one of the fine delicacies in life we afford ourselves. Uh, go by and peruse their selections soon and procure yourself a Bulldog Burger. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right. I don't know how much time we talk about this. I'm going to talk a little bit more about rankings because uh, I'm getting inundated because here's what happens with recruiting, right? So we cover recruiting all year long, 365 days a year. But in the offseason and in the weeks leading up to signing day, the casual fans get involved. And a lot of casual fans don't understand rankings. They don't understand how it all works. And things have kind of been confused in recent years. 247 Sports decided years ago, hey, we're going to do the composite. Rather than just be our rankings, we're going to give you our rankings and the composite so you can see you know, what the collective opinion is about players. I think it's a good idea in many respects. The problem that I have is that some of the people involved with the composite maybe don't look at it the way we do. I don't mean from you know, a particular player, but I'm just you know, the process that we go about. I mentioned to you guys when I was at Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Week, uh, the day that I was there, I didn't see any other networks other than uh, you know, Cooper Patania was there from, from uh, 247. And then I know, I know Charles Power at On3, formerly of 247, uh, was there. I don't know that Rivals was there. I, I, I don't remember seeing anybody. I don't see any reports from them. Uh, and I, don't, I certainly know ESPN wasn't there. And so I say that uh, because I think you got to have boots on the ground. And granted, it's an all-star game, but you get a sense of how big people are and how they move around and things like that. You can't tell a whole lot from the games, but the practices themselves, uh, sometimes you can't. Uh, and so I commend everybody that, that makes the trip. You know, it's not a difficult trip for me. It's like three hours either way. Either it's in Montgomery or it's in Hattiesburg. But uh, we go every year with rare exception. Um, and so there's been a lot of discussion here. Well, well so-and-so dropped in the rankings after they signed with Mississippi State. and all, You know, all I'm going to do is defend our people here, okay? And uh, that's not to say that we get it all right. Guys, I have some absolutely – battle royales, shall we say, with some of the evaluators at 247. And I don't always get what I want, but I got most of what I wanted in the final state rankings, most. Not everything, but most. Uh, but there is this sentiment that all of a sudden there's been some manipulation with 247 in the rankings since signing day. And I can tell you that's not true. Now, let's say for an example you have the 247 sports composite, right? It's comprised of four different networks. It's our name on it. But let's just say, for an example, that Rivals decides to, um, to drop a guy in the rankings. Well, that impacts a 247 composite, whether 247 did anything or not. And I think some people out there, because they see our name on that, think, oh, well, 247's manipulating things. It's just not the case. Uh, I'm a senior guy with this company, and uh, I, I wouldn't stand for it, right? I, I just wouldn't. That's not to say that they're going to do everything I want them to do. But if you think I would let one of our young men our student-athletes be unfairly maligned in a rankings with feet to the fire. I mean, we're one of the biggest sites in the industry, not just 247. And it's not like, well, they're going to give you rankings because you're a big site, but you do get a seat at the table. People will listen to you because you make them a lot of money. I just want things to be right. I'm not one of those kinds of people that fall in love with everybody we get. Uh, there's a, I'll give you a good example. I got a good example. So, Jaden Hamlin. Uh, out of Colin. 
there was a lot of people early on when State offered him. A lot of people were like, hey, this is the best defensive lineman we're on. Now, I disagreed. And uh, I said as much. Excuse me, he's at Southwest Mississippi Community College. I double-checked that. Um, but Hamlin is a good player. I didn't think he was a difference maker. And after watching film, I was like, you know, I'm kind of curious about this guy because he's, you know, he's claiming Georgia offers and LSU offers. And so all of a sudden, because all these other big uh, blue blood programs have offered, people are like, hey, we got to get him. We got to win this one. Turner's got to get this. We got to win this battle. We, get, we need this guy to kind of turn this thing around next year. And guys, I just didn't see it. You put the film on, and it's just kind of underwhelming. Good player, not great, not a difference maker. And uh, I'm not I'm not here lobbing shots at the kid. I'm just telling you, I did not see an SEC caliber player. And so I start thinking, well, the offer sheet says this. The video says this. So I hit up Neil Stopchinski, you know, used to be the uh, talent evaluator at Mississippi State. Now he writes scouting reports for us in addition to his other jobs. Uh, but Neil is a guy that's been a Power 5 evaluator at Northwestern and at Mississippi State. And he does the job with pride but without prejudice. He's a guy that takes a lot of a lot of pride in being able to come back and say, see, I told you so. I told you so. Right? So I said, Neil, and I gave him no opinions whatsoever. I said, hey, take a look at this kid and tell me what you think. Because I wanted to see, maybe I, maybe I was missing it. I mean, if LSU and Georgia and these people are offering, then surely there's got to be something to this, right? So two days later, Neil hooks me back up, and he's like, are you sure Mississippi State offered this kid? And I said, well, that's what he claims. You know, yes, I, I believe that to be the case. And he goes, guy's not an SEC guy. Began to do some digging, talked to a few people, figured out he was just a guy we were recruiting, wasn't priority. And as you guys know, he signed with Louisiana Monroe earlier this week. Wish him the best in his career. Uh, there were the Warhawks. But I, I say that because it's important to understand there are a lot of people out there in our industry and certainly with casual fans, when the guy gets starts claiming all these offers, we automatically assume well, this guy be a big-time guy. Then you look at it now in hindsight, and it's like, well, wait a minute. If he's got all these offers, why did he sign along with Louisiana Monroe? Well, you got to go where they want you. And so anytime that you see an offer out there, don't always assume it's committable. And so I don't say that to kind of toot our own horn. I'm just trying to explain that what happens on the field is 100 times more important than what happens on social media. And I'm a big fan of following the visits too. And uh, Hamlin took in some visits to kind of make, hey, maybe there's something to this, right? But Mississippi State hadn't been on that kid for some time. Even prior to the coaching change, it appeared that State and Hamlin were going to go in different directions. Uh, but I share that with you because there's some. sometimes we look, oh, well, this guy's got all these offers. That's what's reported. It doesn't mean that he can accept them. I mean, if you think that that guy chose Louisiana Monroe over LSU, George, Mississippi State, you're kidding yourself. And to kind of get deeper into this and, and dig into the details and kind of figure out what's what, Okay. So I had somebody yesterday, a friend, a friend of mine hit me up and said, hey, I understand that all these things happen with 247 rankings after signing day. What's going on there? Now, here's the deal. My friend loves Mississippi State. He is, I'm not going to give the name because I want to embarrass him, but he's one of these kinds of people during a ball game. You talk about being a prisoner of the moment, my goodness. 
if we're ever losing a ball game, I mean, the world is ending. It could be first quarter. I mean, for, I'll get attacked sometimes the first quarter of a ball game. Oh, we're getting blown off the line. We're going to lose this game. And then we're going to you know, win at 55-3 or something, you know. Um, but anyway, so if, if he's hearing this, that means some other people out there are saying this. And so I thought, let, let, me, let me give you guys the truth. Let's start with the transfers because that's easier to do. So as it stands today, Mississippi State has 10 transfers. And so we'll start with the Kelly Akari. My friend said, hey, he was a 91. He was a four-star. He's never at any point been a four-star. Anywhere. At any point in his life with 247 Sports. I don't know what other networks have him ranked. I can tell you he's never been a 91 with 247. And so Kelly Akari out of high school was ranked a 77.85. As a transfer now, he's an 87. So he's risen 10 points, nearly 10 points. So I guess a little over nine in the rankings after putting in some good time at Texas El Paso. So he goes up considerably. He was probably undervalued in the first place, but he goes up considerably as a transfer. Marlon Martinez, you may recall him, guy that had about 40 offers out of high school, signed with LSU, went over there, was primarily a two-deeper, did have a handful of starts under his belt, but didn't really – maybe reach his full potential. Now, he wasn't an extremely highly rated guy out of high school anyway. He was an 88.95, which is just right there on the cusp, right there on the cusp of almost being a four-star. Well, as a transfer, he's rated an 86. And people are like, but Steve, why did he go down? Well, you got a body of work to deal with here. And again, it wasn't like he was a four- or five-star type kid, but he's a guy that's got a body of work under his belt in the Southeastern Conference, and they're like, yeah, could be a pretty good player, but he's not a difference maker. Suleiman Paka, rated an 84.67 at a high school, has been primarily a two-deeper at Purdue. His transfer ranking is an 84. So it goes down just a little bit, not as significantly as Martinez, but right there. Now, you say, Steve, I don't like where this is trending. Well, business is about to pick up. Trey Wright out of Memphis. Redshirted this year at Memphis. He signed with them as an 83.78. He's a transfer as an 84. And even though he hadn't really done anything on a college level, he still goes up a little bit. I'm not going to sit here and brag about an 84. But he did go up a little bit. Cameron Ball, out of high school when he signed with Buffalo, was an 82.37. Guys, he's a four-star now. 90. He's a 90.00 as a transfer. So he goes up over seven and a half points in the rankings as a transfer. And he hadn't done a whole lot at Buffalo. But somebody somewhere likes this guy and said, you know what? Hey, this guy could have a chance to be a difference maker at Mississippi State. His brother, Justin Ball, signed on with Vanderbilt as an 82.81. As a transfer, he's up to an 87. So he's up over four points. And, again, you've got a body of work, and he has not been ultra-productive, but he still goes up. And, again, may have been undervalued in the first place. But as a transfer, he's more valuable than he was as a prep prospect. McKaylin Pounders. I thought he was criminally underrated out of high school. Ends up being a starting left tackle uh, at Memphis. Was an 85.56 out of Bahelia. Now he's an 87. So, again, up about a point and a half. Not as high as I think he should be. It's not going to change who he is on the field. Ethan Miner, one of the lowest ratings I've ever seen for a high school player. Remember he was up there in Connecticut? 
and uh, signed on with Arkansas State as a 76.83. Leaves there, transfers to North Texas. Now he's headed to Mississippi State. Transfers in 88. One of the highest-rated centers in the country last year by Pro Football Focus. Kendrick Bingley-Jones, big-time player out of high school, out of the greater Charlotte area. He was a 93.31, and he hadn't done anything in North Carolina. So now it's a transfer. He's an 83, so very significant drop for him. But, again, you've got a body of work to work with here. And you say, you know what? Maybe we were wrong about him as a prep player. Maybe. Blake Shapin was at 86.43 out of high school. Now he's an 87. So a marginal increase for him. And so of the 10, and you start looking at this together, of the 10 transfers that are currently signed, and that's, a, that's really more of a technical term, right, because they don't sign a national letter of intent. Of those 10, seven of the 10 have a better rating as a transfer than they had as a prep prospect. You say, but Steve, so-and-so should be a four-star. Well, yeah, maybe so. But seven of the ten have gone up, and a, and a couple of them significantly, three of them significantly. You know, Akari, Wright, and Cameron Ball, all up significantly compared to what they were viewed as high school players. Kedrick Bingley-Jones dropped significantly. And Marlon Martinez went down a good bit, too. But seven of the ten had an increase in their rating. You said, but Steve, let's talk about the pro prospect, the prep guy. So, you know, you guys have messed around with these rankings so much, you know, sometimes I'm confused. Well, okay, you know, here's the thing that we do at 247. When you pull up a player's profile, you can go look at their rankings history. Did you know this? Yeah, just pull up any player. Like right now I'm looking at Jimothy Lewis, and I see that one crystal ball picked old Miss. Hardy, har, har. All right, and so then all of a sudden you look at, like I'm looking at Jimothy Lewis, and then all of a sudden there's his prospect information, his height, his weight, where he went to school. You can watch his highlights. And then there's the player rating from 247 Sports. And then just beneath that, there is the 247 Sports composite. And you'll see there's a little clock right there. You click on that little clock, and it gives you that recruit's ranking history. Now, of the guys that signed with Mississippi State, some pretty significant changes with him. He debuted way back in March of 2022. This is in the composite. This is a 95. 95.580. I actually made it as high as a, uh, as a 96 and was considered the top offensive tackle prospect in the country. Well, that's come down a good bit now. And now his rating is an 89.75 in the composite. However, let's look at the 247 stuff. He's a 90 with us, and he's been a 90 with us since October. Maybe be back in June. Now I'm looking at the numbers here. But his ranking has not changed since signing day. Matter of fact, it hadn't changed really during the season. It's important to understand that. And he's one of the guys that did go down. Then you, you know you pull up uh, you know, JJ Harrell. This is a guy that we've loved from from the outset, you know. And, again, you go right there. He's a 90 according to 247 Sports, but he's a 92.28 in the 247 Sports composite. Of course, it's, it's, you know, a a collective opinion there. In the final 247 rankings, um, we had the little discussion, you know. um, he, He maintained a 90 for us, but the 247 composite, he ends up going up in the end. And that was on December 7th. 
And so I, I just want to kind of get this out there just because of the fact there are a lot of people out there that have these very strong opinions and they're not rooted in fact. Michael Van Buren, you know, on three, dropped him shortly after he signed. He's been in an 89 at 247 Sports since November of 2022. There's been no change in his rating with our network. Zero. Mario Craver, I wrote an article about this, he got a one-point decrease in the final rankings. He was a 90. He went down to an 89. So, yeah, that's one point. Terrence Sibler, I think, should be a four-star. I have fought that battle all year long, and I lost, but I did get a couple points for him in the end. Um, 88 for us and an 89.16, and I understand that Rivals dropped him significantly in their final rankings post-signing day, which is ridiculous. But we got a slight increase for him in the final adjustment here at, uh, at 247. Fred Clark went up, T.J. Lockhart went up. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Open up. 
Xavier Gayton maintained. Ja'Cory White had went down a point. Tyler Woodard, uh, consistent. Brandon Jennings, consistent. Jatavius Johnson's a new player, of course. There was no time to manipulate him or Ricky Johnson because that happened afterwards. Ashawn Shepard was consistent. Johnny Daniels. And these guys are ranked exceptionally high. Johnny Daniels rated as the number one junior college back in the country, according to 247 Sports. Did you know that? Yeah, I don't know how many of them are ranked, but he's good. Uh, Kyle McClendon, of course, just got a ranking. Luke Work has been consistent. I was hoping Luke may get a point or two after uh, the U.S. Army practices. Uh, but, but I just rolled this out here to you just because I think it's important to understand the true facts because things get out there on the Internet, and you know everything on social media is true, right? And all of a sudden people are like, hey, these guys at 247 Sports, they stink. And then I get all these people yesterday, even some people in the media, uh, that say, hey, you know, you, you, should, you should do this and you need to raise hell about this. And I'm like, guys, I can't affect what other networks do, right? I, I can only plead my case to the network that I'm a part of. I'm not an employee of 247 Sports. I don't work for 247 Corporate. I own Jeans Page Incorporated. And we are an affiliate of 247 Sports. There's some other people out there that work for the company. We all work together. But, you know, we have a contract, you know, a multi-year contract. And a lot of people out there, you know, tell you they work for so-and-so. They're, you know, they're on a one-year deal. And I guess it's true. It's kind of a free agent type deal. But, we, you know, we've got an affiliate agreement. We're very happy here. And I just say this because I wanted to go through. I didn't want to get too deep into the minutia. Because of the casual fan, sometimes it's just it's a lot to I, – I would never just sit back and let our kids be victimized. And I, and I hear it from people on our staff throughout the year. Why do our kids always go down after they commit? Well, traditionally what happens is let's, let's say for an example, let's say that, that 247 and on three have a ranking for a kid, right? Let's say we've all covered him. You know, we've seen him in camp. We have a rating. So then, then all of a sudden there's a composite build. Well, then those guys at ESPN, they don't know anything about this kid. And then all of a sudden he commits, and then some staffer over there decides, oh, I guess we need to go evaluate him. And then they just throw in some arbitrary ranking. Well, then that, that pulls the composite down. Everybody's like, well, hey, why did his ranking go down? Well, it's because somebody else ranked him. And if they rank him higher, he goes up in the composite. But more times than not, and again, you know, this, listen, we've got people in our state that have these people from ESPN on, and I'm just going to tell you, it's a waste of everybody's time and effort. When do you think ESPN last had boots on the ground in the state of Mississippi evaluating players? I mean, seriously, ask yourself that. And I know some of those guys at On3 in the National Network, that they work with us. Some of them went from scout to 247 to On3. And so they've been in the industry for a while. So they understand the importance of the in-person eval, just like we do. you got to go out and see guys play. And sometimes you got to do it from field level. You can't just go look at them on huddle. And just call it a day, look at a highlight video and say, okay, well, this is it. And so there are other people out there that say, you know, well, we think this kid is this and we think he's that. And I, I just look at it all with a grain of salt. And so I just want to make sure you guys kind of understand how the, how, the, how the sausage is made a little bit here. Because you got some people out there that just kind of, they, they don't put the time and effort into it that we do. And some of our competitors do too. It's not like it used to be. It used to, you go to these all-star games and everybody would be down there. You'd have people, you know, out there, you know, doing video interviews and putting up uh, video footage of one-on-ones and things like that. And, you know, we need to do more of that. And, and next year I hope to allocate a little more time 
not from a rankings perspective, but from a coverage standpoint. You know, this year I just didn't have time. You know, we're opening a new business. Um, and so I, I really could only allocate a day. And then we got to get into signing day and, you know, having to be in Ohio and things like that. There's only so many hours in the day. There's so much you got to do. So much you got to do. But we make the effort. I mean, we went out this year, went out to all these high school games, and uh, not just here in the Golden Triangle, you know, not just so I could string for somebody else. No, I got to do it for you guys. That's why we go see Ja'Cory White and play in, in person. You know, Caleb Dozier ultimately signed with somebody else because we ended up dropping him. We went and saw him play too. I mean, it's like you try to find somewhere to go all the time to go produce content that's unique for you. But the main reason you go is to get a sense of who these players are. You know, you remember years ago there used to be the uh, the magazines that came out. We were all excited about that. And guys were good because we just took people's word for it. Because you put trust in their word. You say, you know, hey, things have changed. You know, remember the old Max Hemfinger days? You know, he was always quoted by USA Today because, you know, he was a big fish in a very, very small pond. You know, Forrest, all those guys, everybody had their books, you know, and they were great, but they weren't very accurate because they just didn't have the staff to go get it done. Then all of a sudden the Internet becomes a thing, and then we, we got the ability to post videos. So it was no longer, hey, you don't have to take my word for it. Here, I went to this kid's game. I recorded the game. Here's the clips from that game. You can see for yourself. This kid comes to a combine. We'll get video of him. You can see for yourself. And so the recruiting industry, from a ranking standpoint, has changed significantly. You got more eyes on kids now than ever. Um, And I think the the rankings, maybe in the last couple of years, have been a little bit disjointed. I think we, we, as a network, took a solid step forward this year. But there's still some guys that are undervalued. And i got to do a better job on my end, uh, kind of making sure when those initial rankings come out, they're like, no, this is a joke. Like, that's what happened with Terrence Hippler. Like, how in the world did anybody think that he was an 83? And so, yeah, he gets to be an 88, but he was a guy that probably should have started at an 88 and ended up somewhere around a 90. It's true. But at the end of the day, it's all about somebody's opinion. I've got to, I can make a list. You can make a list. The difference is that my list gets published. Right, You can go out there and make your own list, too, and you can come back down the road and say, you know what, Steve, I was right. You guys are wrong. And you know what? we got to wear that because it's so difficult to predict future human performance. But I wanted to kind of address this today because it is clear that there is a lot of misinformation and some miscommunication and some misunderstanding about how all this stuff works. At the end of the day, people are like, you know what, Steve, I just want us to win football games. That's how I do, too. But for to suggest that rankings don't matter – is a little bit disingenuous. Yes, we've had some success. Guys like Preston Smith, Jamie on Lewis, and others uh, that have come in and uh, outperformed their ranking. But by and large, when you go look at the NFL draft, go look at the first round of the draft, more times than not, it's kids that were four and five stars. It's true. You know, the best players are the best players. And when guys work hard and stay healthy, they get a chance to continue to play football at a high level. And more times than not, the guys that are high performers in high school are high performers in college and ultimately become professional football players. That's not to say somebody just didn't come out of the woodwork. And, guys, trust me, when Dak Prescott committed to Mississippi State, he was a two-star. And some people say, oh, and, and people weren't even as a tight end. That, that's not true. I don't, I don't know who said that. That was all like the LSU spin 
when he uh, when he chose state over LSU. Les Miles recruited Dak Prescott as a quarterback, and anybody that tells you otherwise is misinformed or just an outright liar. But it was only after Dak's senior year that we were even able to get him a three star, and now he's got a chance to win the National Football League Most Valuable Player Award this year. I mean, let that play out for a second, right? I mean, there's some guys out there that just have a special quality. And because of where they play and who they play, sometimes they just don't get out. And, and listen, Dak didn't go to a bunch of camps either. And Dak wasn't out there, you know, at the Under Armour events and things like that, slinging the football around and getting some hype early because that's one of the things that happens when guys get out there on the trail and get people get behind them. There becomes this initial impression that people sometimes are too arrogant to move on from. I can't count how many times I go see a guy play at a combine or a seven-on-seven, and you're just like, wow. And you can put the game tape on, and you're like, man, this guy's scared to death. This guy has an aversion to contact. Contact is a big part of football, in case you didn't know. I've seen a bunch of guys in T-shirt and shorts get out there and run, you know, 4-4 or better. And you turn the tape on. They don't have football speed. They don't have the willingness to go out there and run behind their pads. We're not putting a track team together. We're putting a football team together. And so there's a lot to that. And, again, it's so important. Do not fall in love with players just because you think we're going to get them. And a lot of people do that. I I deal with it all the time. I do my best to remain objective. There have been some guys in the past that will commit a kid, and I'll pick up the phone and I'll even call somebody and say, what are are we doing? What, What are we doing? And some of you guys feel that way too. And a lot of times you just you look at a ranking and say, well, well, he's only this, so we shouldn't take him. You know, I'm just going to tell you the rankings are always a work in progress, especially late. You know, when you, all of a sudden you have a G5 guy that maybe got a default ranking in the beginning because nobody took the time to evaluate him. And you're like, oh, well, now he's got to offer some Alabama and Ole Miss and Mississippi State and LSU. Oh, well, we got to bump him up. What? You know, if you watch, the tape was always there. You still watch it. But now you feel validated because he's claiming these offers. But let's go back to the beginning of this segment. A lot of guys out there claim offers they don't truly have, and that's not to say it hadn't been communicated to them, but it doesn't mean it's committable. So don't get caught up counting offers. That's very important. Watch tape. I mean, that's the thing, too. You're, you're a fan of football, right? I mean, and I understand that most of the stuff that makes the, makes the highlight videos a, a truly a highlight, right? But it's important to understand that there is an ebb and flow with this process. It is imperfect. Uh, but you got some people out there that aren't putting any legwork in whatsoever to add credibility to their rankings, and then they go drop a player 100 spots post-signing day and expect to be taken seriously. I just don't see it that way. But uh, I can tell you that um, I think our guys do a good job. Can we do a better job? You better believe it. And that's the thing this year, and uh, Rion Young and I both are going to be working very hard on this to make sure that we get guys properly evaluated early because you saw in the Terrence Hipper situation – When you get a bad ranking early, it's almost impossible to get him to where he needs to be at year's end. We do our best, and that's a guy that had a ton of offers too. So you would think the offer counters would have just jumped on there and latched on and said, oh, yeah, this guy's underrated. But sometimes, and I've been guilty of this before in my past, sometimes you go see a kid play, and that becomes your lasting impression. And you say, okay, I've already seen this kid. This is who he is and what he is. And then you show up at Mississippi Alabama All-Star practice, and he's just running around like a wild man, and you're like, holy smokes, where'd this come from? Well, you may have just caught him on a bad night. Or maybe he's improved. Maybe things have changed. 
And you got to be willing to, to say, you know what, hey, let's take another look at this. Because maybe we're wrong here. Or maybe this young man has evolved to the point that our ranking needs to reflect his growth as a player. So trust me, I got most of what I wanted this year, but I'm going to be pushing a lot harder next year uh, to ensure that uh, your players are better represented in the rankings. And the thing that I've learned about that, too, is there's so many people out there that just don't take any pride in what they do. And that's not just in our industry. That's just It's in the world, period. But I take a lot of pride in what we do and how we do it. And, um, you know, when I, when I was with Scout, I had to do a top 25, 30 players every single month. And then we expanded it deeper because I, I, we had so many G5 kids in Mississippi. I wanted to make sure those kids got a proper ranking. And so I'd have to do that every single month. I'm, we're going to get back to that. We're going to get back to doing that kind of stuff, ranking players based on what we see. And it's going to change a lot because, you know, you don't get a chance to see everybody right away. But we're going to do a better job ensuring that we have the information necessary uh, to, to really defend our case when we get ready to go to bat for one of your guys. But uh, all that being said, I, I feel better about our, uh, our 247 rankings for our players than I do many others. All right, time for today's top ten list. This is actually take two. I had some technical difficulties there. Noticed that uh, things were kind of locking up and skipping a little bit, so I'll go back and listen to it. It wasn't right. So here we are, taking a swing at that. Always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's your top ten list. Listen, guys, here's the deal. There's so many important things in life. There aren't many more important than your mortgage. You didn't trust your mortgage into the hands of a true professional. It's Blair Chandler. You can hit Blair up at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Blair's the real deal. 22 years of experience in this industry. Visit him at CloseWithBlair.com, and you can check that out. And uh, really, just kind of introduce yourself to the products that are available to you. Blair is a guy that knows how to get things done. This is a guy that's going to get you to the closing table when other people can't because he knows how to navigate through the labyrinth of underwriting. He understands the guidelines. You need to deal with a mortgage professional. That's, again, Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. All right, you know, we do things a little differently here on this show. We do the top ten list. Uh, most people love it. A few people skip through it. It's all up to you. Doesn't hurt my feelings either way. You know, everybody does their own thing. All right, so we're going to do a uh, very metal Christmas list. That's right. We're going to give you some Christmas classics covered by some of your favorite metal artists. Uh, about 13 years ago, there was an album that came out, We Wish You a Metal Christmas and a Headbanging New Year. That is our wish for you again this year. So here's the list. There's 16 tracks on this album. I'm going to pick my 10 from this 16. We're going to start with Little Drummer Boy, uh, Doug Pennick from King Zax on vocals, George Lynch, of course, from Dockin and Lynch Mob fame. Billy Sheehan, of course, the legendary bass player from Talos, David Lee Roth, Mr. Big, uh, River Dogs, and others. Billy has been around forever and a day. This is a guy that knows how to get it done, you know, for sure. But Little Drummer Boy, an interesting take there. Now, here's a song you didn't expect to hear today. Everybody loves Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Did you ever expect to hear Rat Stephen Piercy sing that song? No, you did not. That's what we do here. We introduce you to the cool stuff. 
It's Stephen Piercy from RAT and then Tracy Guns from LA Guns and one of the founders of Guns N' Roses. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't. Tracy, a great guy. Bob Kulik from uh, uh, Bruce Kulik's brother plays drums on this. And then Billy Sheehan again. So you can get a big dose of Billy on this list. Number eight, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. That's the first track on the album. And uh, Jeff Scott Soto is a guy that has played with everybody at some point. Uh, Bruce Kulik from Kiss and then Brother Bob also uh, a part of that project. But uh, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. It's very rocking. And, of course, they change the lyrics to We Wish You a Metal Christmas. All right, number seven, Ron Rudolph. Ron, of course, that's the old uh, Chuck Berry classic. The trio that put this thing together, though, probably not what you'd expect. It's Lemmy Kilmeister from Motorhead. Yeah, God rest his soul. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. And then the legendary and incomparable Dave Grohl on the drums. Number six, God rest you merry gentlemen. Maybe you know this one. You got Ronnie James Dio. That's right, Dio on the mic. Tony Ayami from Black Sabbath. Rudy Sarzo, of course, from Quiet Riot and Whitesnake fame. And then Simon Wright on drums. Pretty cool rendition. Number five is Deck the Halls. This one means a little more to me. Uh, Deck the Halls vocal is uh, Ani Logan. You know, my oldest son's name is Ani Logan Robertson. If you've read When the Bottom Falls, you kind of understand why that's the case. And yet Craig Goldie on the guitar. Tony Franklin, who played with The Firm, with uh, Jimmy Page, played with everybody. Another legendary bass player, for sure. Number four is Silver Bells. And you've never heard it quite like this. It's Jeff Tate, the legendary voice of Queensryche, and then Carlos Cavazzo of Rat, yeah, and Quiet Riot fame. When Randy Rhodes left Quiet Riot, Carlos was the replacement. And so their legendary years, Carlos uh, on the guitar there. Pretty incredible rendition. And then James Lomenzo from White Lion. You weren't expecting that either. What a combination. Number three, Auld Lang Syne. You know the song. It's uh, performed by Girls School, a legendary all-female band from across the pond. They're out this, I think it's this spring. They're going out with my friends from Lillian Axe. Lillian is going to play on that bill as Girls School does their final American tour. They're getting ready to hang it up. Going to come across the pond for several dates in major clubs. If you're in that neck of the woods, go out there and uh, watch Steve Blaze rip it apart. He's a guitar player. My buddy Brent Graham. Uh, on vocals and uh, Wayne Stokely on the drums, uh, Mike on the bass. It's a great group. You know, love those guys and uh, happy they're going to go out on a pretty cool tour here uh, to help um, usher girls' school into retirement. Number two, Santa Claus is coming to town, and it's not the Bruce Springsteen version that you're familiar with. This is Alice Cooper and John Five. John Five, of course, formerly of uh, Rob Zombie's band, now the guitar player of Motley Crue. They have new music coming out in the next year. Uh, the first single is going to be Dogs of War. They also did a, uh, a cover of the Beastie Boys, you got to fight for your right to party. So we'll get a Motley take on that. Not going to be a full album. Maybe that comes eventually, but they're going to release some singles. They're recording a video for Dogs of War right now. So we'll get the first... Motley single with John Five on lead guitar soon. And finally, your number one song today is Happy Christmas, War is Over. Tommy Shaw on vocals. The legendary Tommy Shaw, of course, uh, from Styx. Also did some stuff with uh, Damn Yankees and Shaw Blades. One of the best vocalists of my lifetime. 
Everybody knows Renegade from Sticks. It wasn't Dennis DeYoung singing vocals on that. It's Tommy Shaw. Tommy was a rocker. It's ultimately what led to him leaving Sticks is uh, they became more of a concept band. This wasn't the same. But uh, Steve Lukather also laying down the guitar from Toto on this one. And Marco Mendoza, former bass player in Twisted Sister. Yeah, so pretty interesting star-studded cast here today on the top ten list from the metal scene. Uh, But yeah, we do wish you guys a Merry Christmas. I I know that I have been a great uh, person this year. I know that I'm on the nice list, but uh, I didn't ask for anything. I know that Dan and I will get to do some cool stuff. Um, She's really good at that kind of thing, too, and i got to go pick her up a couple things today. We've been so busy. You know, we're not spending a ton on each other this year because we got the, you know, we got a new business opening, and uh, I'd encourage you, too, if you hadn't done so, go to to Facebook and go to True Rest Starkville, and you can order a a float. We've got BOGOs going on right now. Buy one, get one free. Most people don't know what that stands for. BOGOs, buy one, get one free, and and get lined up. And uh, I floated this past week when I was in Columbus, uh, amazing. We had an absolutely epic time in Columbus. Absolutely epic. Uh, the final night, I think it was so much fun. Your National Signing Day, right? And uh, so I had to cover all that up there. And uh, then it's like, hey, we're going to go out. We were going to go out Tuesday night. And I kind of told her, I said, you know, here's the thing. Uh, we got a lot going on. Let's just go float tonight. And uh, we'll maybe do something tomorrow. And uh, so Wednesday, after it's all said and done, we were able to hook up one of our great friends up there, who we absolutely love her, and um, went out to a little dive bar, shot a little pool, just kind of hung out, took in some music. And uh, your good friend and host got up and sang some karaoke. I hadn't had a chance to warm up or anything, and Dan is like, "Oh, go sing." So we did "Personal Jesus" from Depeche Mode, something uh, really low in the low register, something you can get done, and. Uh, even get out there and dance a little bit. And uh, right before we gather, playing uh, the last call, and the wife says, hey, I want to dance with you before we leave. And so it was a great night, and I encourage you to get out and go do those things and make some memories because we had an absolutely epic time, absolutely epic time. Made me want to stay in Ohio a little bit longer, but um, but we didn't. Came on back yesterday, and, uh, you know, listen, here's the thing. You know, we spend so much time talking about sports, and, and we're emotionally invested in that. But nothing means more than family and making memories together. And uh, I can tell you, Dana and I made some amazing memories while we were gone and uh, ready for the next adventure. I'm, I'm that kind of person. I always need something to look forward to. You know, maybe life is just not enough for me, right? Just working day to day. I always need something to look forward to, whether it be a new book or, you know, the season. Uh, you know, there's always National Signing Day. And, and uh, there have been so many kind posts on our message board and those probably pale in comparison to some of the private messages I've got about the coverage we provided over the last several weeks. And uh, as I mentioned to you guys, I probably don't sound as hoarse as I did on Wednesday, but um, it has been, for everybody on the beat, not just us, but for everybody, and we produce more content than anybody, so get that out there. But, guys, the Tuesday before the A&M game, we found out Zach Arnett was going to be fired. And... Uh, Two weeks prior, everybody's like, no, 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 we're not going to make a coaching change. Things are running off the rails. So we had some of our fans on our posters on our board like, you know, Steve, listen, I know what you're hearing, but this has got to change. And I remember that Tuesday thinking, you know what, hey, he's going to get fired. It'll be the Friday after the Egg Bowl. And I asked the question, I said, well, what if we get embarrassed by A&M as we get? Because if we get beat by a third-team quarterback, it's not going to be good. 
And as well, we get embarrassed to squeak and all bets are off. And so, of course, we go through that debacle of a ball game. I have covered so many games in my career at Mississippi State. That's like one of the only ones I've ever wanted to leave. It was terrible. And I even posted on our message board, this cannot continue. It's very rare for me to get to that point, but that's where I was. And maybe it takes me a little longer to get there than others because of the fact I talk to so many people, and you want to hope for the best. And if we had found a way to go and win that ballgame, maybe it doesn't change a lot long term, but it probably would have bought a little time. Maybe we at least make termination after Thanksgiving. But from that moment, that Sunday after that A&M game, through National Signing Day, it has been absolutely nose to the grindstone for all of us. It absolutely has been. Because even when you don't get the content, like even if you don't get the story you're searching for, you still work hard and do your homework. And so now it feels like, hey, we can kind of take a bit of a deep breath. Now, one thing I can tell you, too, you know, we're not in a bowl game, right? So we don't have bowl practice to attend. There's no travel. Uh, we hate that aspect of it. But I can tell you there's a lot of people on the Mississippi State campus that are deserving of some time off with their families. And uh, I hope they get it. I, I know it's one thing that I was told late last week is Zach Selman's told everybody, hey, really, let's get out of town, right? Let's kind of get away from this for a little bit. Uh, the coaches have got to get, you know, we've got to get plans made and get moved and start buying houses and things like all that. There's just so much involved in all that. But my hope is that you can take a bit of a break too. Because as hard as it's been on all of us, as hard as it's been on all the, the coaches and their families and administrators, we're all getting paid for this. Maybe not as much as we deserve, but we're getting paid for this. You're not. I mean, you're just making your investment because you love Mississippi State. So my hope is, is you can take a deep breath and say, you know what, hey, these next few days, I'm going to focus on my wife, my husband, my children, my family, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to make some good memories. Because uh, I can tell you, when I was a kid, man, it meant so much to have Christmas. And it wasn't just because of the fact that you got all the cool stuff and, you know, they manipulated you all year to behave because they told you Santa Claus was watching. You know, I saw something earlier today. I, I think it was uh, Rosenberg that tweeted it. This lady said that uh, her nine-year-old son refuses to give her the Christmas list because he's conducting an experiment to find out if Santa Claus is real. Interesting. Uh, I believe in the Christmas spirit, I'll tell you this. And one of the things that I love is everybody getting together, right? Everybody coming home. Thanksgiving was the biggest holiday in my family, but Christmas was second. And everybody would get together, and uh, those memories are the things that sustain you in the difficult times. You know, and you think about my own recovery, right? I'm that 91. If you've read the book, you know how difficult 91 was. And having to spend Thanksgiving without my family and Christmas in rehab, that's a tough deal, man. It is. But the reason those things matter is because of all the great memories you make leading up to that. And that's when times get tough. That's what you lean on. Those are the relationships that you have in your life that are important to you. And so don't just go through the motions this Christmas. Don't just say, okay, and get all caught up in the commercial aspect of all this. Go make some memories with the people you love. And maybe you're just sitting around watching Netflix. I don't know what your needs are. I don't know what your relationships are. But if I can encourage you to do one thing this Christmas, one thing, just one, is pick up the phone or message somebody by text or message book, or Facebook Messenger, whatever it may be. And maybe it's somebody that you hadn't heard from in a while. Maybe it's somebody that you're estranged from. Maybe it's somebody that you need to forgive or they need to forgive you. And just say, you know what? I'm thinking about you today. Wish the best for you. I just want you to know how much I love you. 
Because I can tell you as a guy that was uh, estranged for a while. We didn't have text messages back then because I'm, I'm old, right? And uh, But I can tell you, man, those are the kinds of things that make people's holiday season. And I'm, listen, I'm not trying to say go rekindle some old romance or whatever. I'm not, that, that, this is not the time for that, okay? Especially if they've already moved on without you. But there's somebody in your family that you're connected to, whether it be by blood or whatever, that maybe needs to hear from you. And maybe you need to hear from them. And, and, you know, we can't be too proud to make the first step when it comes to reconciliation. And this time of year, people, you know, people's hearts are a little more tender, right? But there's that one person out there that's not expecting to hear from you, that would love to hear from you, just to know that you're okay. I'm going to encourage you to do that. I don't need, I don't, it's not a homework assignment. I don't need you to send me your, you know, your report or anything like that. I'm just going to encourage you. It doesn't matter who it is. And I'm, listen, I'm not saying put yourself in harm's way, right? There's some people out there that have treated you extremely poorly, right? And there's some people that really don't deserve to be in your life. I'm not saying those people, but there are other people out there that maybe you just hadn't heard from in a while. Hit them up and let them know that they still matter to you. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Right? Campus Bookmark coming up. Right? Uh, listen, I'm going to be at Bookmark Cafe tomorrow downtown, the sister store. I'll be there from 1 to 3 signing books. So if you if you haven't picked it up yet and you're in town shopping, looking for some stocking stuffers, you can come by and get that and we'll get you going. Okay? But Campus Bookmark has all, all six of my titles and uh, Mississippi State merchandise. You're really wall-to-wall in there. Best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the country. If you're shopping the Golden Triangle this week weekend, as you make your final holiday selections, think about Campus Bookmark. And maybe you know, say, hey, if I order today, I'm not going to get it by Christmas. But you know what? It's always nice to have like uh, the 12 days of Christmas where all the uh, online orders come in different days at a time. You never know. It's like Christmas. You never know one day to the next what you're going to get. But you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. You get free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmark.net. All right, let's talk a little more recruiting here. A lot of people are like, okay, Steve, we're, we're, hey, we're 32nd in the rankings. we got a chance to get in the top 30. And again, if we do... It's remarkable, absolutely remarkable considering the circumstances. And so kind of framing some things up for you now, State's going to bring in some more official visitors the weekend of January 3rd through the 5th. January used to be the big, huge recruiting official visit month. Not quite so much now, but you're going to have a lot of um, transfer guys that are going to come in here. Um, We've already had a couple guys that that are kind of lined up for that weekend, so that appears to be you know, the next big weekend. It's important to get that in, too, because you know drop ad date will be here before you know it. There's always a little bit of uh, wiggle room with that, too. You know, you, you can make that, that work for you, but um, it's a different dynamic once you get through December because you, you know, instead of them having to recruit about 25, 30, 35 players, you got those guys in a boat now. Uh, so you can kind of put – a trained focus more on everybody else. Okay, so it's a quiet period. Uh, Let's see. Let me run through this here, okay? I got the calendar in front of me. All right, so the quiet period began December 17th. The dead period runs December 18th through January the 11th. 
So you won't have high school guys. Now, here's how this thing works. The quiet period for two- and four-year college transfer prospective student-athletes who intend to enroll mid-year. So if you have a guy that can enroll in January, they're going to be able to visit you. But your high school players that are you know, spring enrollment guys uh, can come in, but uh, not anybody else. If they don't graduate, if they're not able to come in and enroll in January, they can't come in uh, the weekend of January 3rd through the 5th. And then all of a sudden the contact period opens up on January 12th through February 3rd, which means your coaches can go back out and have in-home visits. Now, this also gives them a chance to go by schools. So they do a ton of junior recruiting during the month of January. And that's the thing you start thinking about. And then we got junior days. And so it never ends. But it's going to be a little bit of a calming of the storm a little bit now here for about 10 days. They'll still make some calls and they'll be in contact with kids because nothing's truly dead in the dead period, right? You can still talk telephonically and you can uh, you know, have messages and kids can always call you whenever they want to. But not much is going to happen between now and the new year. Now also, what's significant too is the NCAA transfer portal window will close in early January. And so... The guys don't have to commit by then, but they have to announce their intentions to declare. So you're going to see some more guys go in the portal. You know, we had Percy Lewis just recently do that. Uh, he may end up coming back. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, but that's the risk you run, man. When you go out and you go grab all these new transfers and all of a sudden you know, your current players are like, wait a minute, if they're going out trying to get somebody to get my job, maybe I need to go get another one. So communication is key. I know the, the uh, coaching staff has spent a lot of time talking to Percy. We really want Percy to come back. Not exactly sure what's going to happen with him, uh, but may see some things change with him. You may get him back, and you may get DeCarlos back. I don't know. Uh, but I know that uh, Corey Ellington did pull out of the portal, which is significant. You know, we had two last year, of course, that went in and came back out. That was Tulu and Zavion. You've already had one this year. Uh, so that's important to kind of figure out, too. Some big dates coming up, but not a lot's going to happen. We don't anticipate that, you know, with people being off for the holiday break, you know, for a few days. And again, as I said, those people truly, truly need it. Now, another significant thing about January 3rd is uh, Braylon Burnside, better known as Stanka Burnside, set to announce his decision on January 3rd. He has already signed his paperwork, and his school of choice has that paperwork ready. Everything's good to go, and then they will, once he makes his announcement on national television, then that will be released. The same situation for Daniel Hill. And some people are like, well, Steve, what do you think? I feel good about both, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know for certain we're going to get them. not going to do that. Um, but, yeah, I think State's going to have a good January. And then hopefully get some big-time visitors in here. We need some difference makers on defense and have those guys visit us during the month of January. Uh, that's a big part of this thing right now. As great as the high school guys are and as great as everything looks and how that helps in the rankings, and all of it's important, but it's also a significant situation. We have got to get some guys in for the spring semester that can absolutely make us a better football team this next coming year. I think that's how everybody sees it. But So the work is still to be done, and there are some guys out there that are in bowls that are going to wait and announce a little bit later. 
And so that's an aspect of this thing too. We're going to have some new names go on the portal. You see it every day. You got plenty of time to kind of get this thing done. But uh, the drop ad date for Mississippi State, it's actually two days, right? So last day to drop a course is January 22nd. Last day to add a course, January 23rd. And again, there's still some work with that. So State, because of the fact that um, your classes don't begin until the 16th, we've got some time, right? Plenty of time. So basically a month to kind of finalize this roster. And that, people are always worried about dates. Steve, what about this? What about that? We have time. High school guys are much different. They got, they got to make their, uh, their signings, you know, uh, February 1st if they hadn't already signed. And that's a big aspect of this thing too. There's just so many people out there that, you know, we get caught up and we don't always know the dates. And that's what I'm here to do to try to help you guys kind of navigate through that. And then, of course, there's January the 6th. January the 6th, an important day. That's the day Daniel Hill got to announce his decision. And uh, from what I understand, from talking to sources, he has already signed his paperwork and sent that information to his prospective school. Will it leak out between now and then? I kind of hope not. Right? What is it? What is it? What do we really gain from that? But uh, officially, he's going to make his public declaration on the 6th of January. So a couple dates to kind of think about as we kind of move forward. Uh, the portal will close. Official visitors will come in, Burnside will announce, and then Daniel Hill will announce. And then you've got basically until the third week of January. And again, there's some gray area with all that stuff too uh, to finalize the transfers. We've got to get some dudes on defense. Everybody sees it. Levy's talked about it. Everybody knows that it's not like your coaches are oblivious to any of this. Everybody's well aware of what we have returning and uh, the spots we still have to fill. And, uh, again, currently 20 official signees from Mississippi State. And then, of course, we have two commitments. That's uh, San Francisco McGee and Matt Mayfield. I suspect what you're going to find out is San Francisco McGee is going to just uh, sign and then announce with his teammates in February. That was what was discussed before, and uh, some of the kids were saying uh, he's going to go ahead and sign. I don't know that it's being announced. But either way, I mean, it's uh, – once they're signed, whether it's publicly announced or not, they're signed. Kind of like the situation with uh, Stonk and Daniel Hill, right? If they're, if they're signed, uh, they're signed. It, it is then binding at that point. So still trying to find out what's going to happen with Matt Mayfield. Don't expect him to be part of the class, but uh, haven't learned what his next step is. We mentioned the 10 transfers earlier. So as it stands right now, it is a 32-man class. But there is still – Work to be done. You guys know it. I know it. And that's an important aspect of it. We have got to go find some veteran uh, DBs. And we've got to find us somebody off the edge that can absolutely make some things happen. We need some people that can come in here and impact the game. We need people that teams have to game plan for. A guy that's got to be accounted for in the pre-snap read. That's every aspect of this, man. There's so much of that. And there's so many guys out there that uh, – might be good players for us, but uh, I think they're going to be available after the ball games. And so I don't think there's any any rush, you know, to to go out and just go get a guy to get a guy. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if uh, you don't see a guy or two from Alabama once they finish their uh, their season, go into the portal and uh, possibly make their way to Mississippi State. 
All right, last segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're looking to bring a large group to Starkville, chances are you are. Look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse, and you can see their Facebook, and you can kind of peruse through all the pictures there. Get an idea of the amenities that are available to you. Uh, that great fire pit area out in the back, five bedrooms, the wet bar. It's a great place to have a social event. Now, you know, we're not going to have uh, rock concerts out there or anything. Do you have some neighbors? Not many. But you don't have a lot of people there kind of in your business. You can get out there and just kind of relax into peace and quiet. Just five minutes from the Mississippi State campus. How cool is that? Be nice to have everybody on one roof, right? Instead of going out there and renting five hotel rooms, and you never know. You never know what you got. Um, it's one of those deals where, you know, when you work through it, you start thinking about the economics of it all, but also the convenience of just having everybody under one roof. Whether it's a work group that's coming midweek, maybe you're doing some work in the Golden Triangle, or maybe you're coming up for a ball game and bringing the family. And they said, hey, we're going to make a family event of this. Let's get it taken care of. Book through the Evolve website. When you Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse, it's going to come up and give you many options to book with. But if you book through the Evolve website, we can save you some money. Use promo code BSR10 and get 10% off your stays. Not only economically is it more feasible uh, to rent this wonderful house than a bunch of hotel rooms, we're going to save you some money on top of it. Not just because we have the great idea, but because we want to give some incentive to Bulldog fans to use the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Completely renovated. It's the old clubhouse, the old country club, and uh, you'll be happy that you stayed there. Everybody can just go buy some groceries, some adult beverages, and just stock up for the trip and not have to constantly be worrying about going down that hotel lobby and there's always that, you know, that guy that's a little bit too clingy that comes over and wants to, like, latch onto your group socially. You can relax and have some control rather than uh, spend eight, nine, ten dollars on a drink and some uh, – Hotel lobby, right? It's nice to be able to control your fun group. Again, it's a Stark Vegas clubhouse. Let's talk a little basketball before we get out of here. I gotta get on the road to uh, gotta get on the road to Jackson, man. Uh, so last night, uh, the ladies win 82-75 at Colorado State. I saw a note that said we're the first SEC team to ever go play women's basketball up there, and so O for one are the Lady Rams in those endeavors. Bulldogs now 12-2 on the season as we get ready to wrap up non-conference play. Bulldogs got off to a pretty good start, but only led by one, uh, excuse me, after two. Uh, uh, excuse, my goodness. Led by two after one, and then down one at the break. And in uh, the third quarter, Colorado State came out and really put themselves in a position to win this ball game. But in the fourth quarter, Coach Sam Purcell makes the necessary adjustments, and Lauren Park Lane just kind of took over out there Made some big things happen. Absolutely ridiculous game for Lauren Park Lane. 35 minutes, 11 of 25 from the field. That in and of itself is noteworthy, but how about her ramming home 10 three-point baskets, 10 of 17 from beyond the arc, uh, just one of two from the line, pulled down four rebounds, six assists, a pair of turnovers, and 33 points. That's like Victoria Vivian's-type numbers there. Absolutely ridiculous. Jessica Carter, 30 minutes of action. Uh, six to ten from the floor, pitched in 14 points, the only other double-digit score uh, for the Bulldogs. Aaron Barnum with nine, uh, Jerkelia Jordan with eight, DeBrescia Poe with six, and then uh, Darion Rogers with six, and Miracle Shepard with six. Uh, Bulldogs 82-75 winners uh, over Colorado State. 
Uh, only 16 points in the paint, which is interesting. It was really more of a perimeter game, and State won that. And how great is it to be able to do that, to have the opportunity when teams begin to kind of take that interior game away from you to be able to take it outside? Uh, ladies, back in action a week from today in Humphrey Coliseum. That's December 29th against Mississippi Valley State. That'll be the final non-conference game before we get into SEC play. And then uh, that Thursday, we host Vanderbilt. Need everybody that can turn out and be a part of that. This Mississippi Valley State game should be a game that we can uh, – should win handily. You never take anything for granted. But the Devilettes, uh, you know, maybe don't have the resources some other people do, and they're 1-10 on the year. The record certainly shows that. They've lost eight games in a row. So it should be a bit of a laugher. Uh, they got beat this past Monday by Texas A&M by 50. Should be that kind of game here. Ole Miss got them pretty good too. So – Again, uh, one in ten on the year, and you got to go back to uh, a game at McNeese State to find a victory there, 85-82. But they have surrendered 100 points or more uh, three times this year, and certainly Texas A&M probably could have got it done too, but uh, called the dogs off or the Aggies off late. But uh, at Mississippi State, then they go to at Alabama, so they're going to be pretty uh, battle tested, shall we say, before they get in a swag play. But uh, excited for the ladies for sure. And again, now 12-2 and two overall and a chance to finish out this uh, non-conference schedule with uh, should be a lopsided victory uh, before we host Vandy and then head to South Carolina. We're going to find out how good we are really, really quickly. On the men's side of things, uh, I know you've been keeping up with this. Uh, Chris Jans said earlier this week that he expects a, quote, rock fight against Rutgers. And we're going to go up to Newark, New Jersey. That game will be available on the Big Ten Network. It's the Gotham Classic. Only two more non-conference games remaining on the schedule for the Bulldogs. Uh, This Rutgers team has Chris Jan's attention. And if we can play as well as we played in the second half of that North Texas game, got a chance to handle some business up there uh, in the Northeast. But uh, looking at the, um, the Scarlet Knights, here. They're 7-3. and three. They've won two in a row. They're 6-1 and one at home. Uh, both losses, of course, coming away from their uh, you know, home arena there. Jersey Mike's Arena. Got Jersey Mike's here in town. Uh, so pretty significant in that respect. But uh, when you begin to look at this thing, quality competition, you know, non-conference, not especially challenging. They get Princeton. They lose to them. They beat Boston. Uh, they beat Bryant. They get Georgetown in Piscataway. How about that? 71-60, take down Howard, St. Peter's. They lose to Illinois, a top 25 Illini team at the time, uh, in a Big Ten game, 76-58. They lose at Wake Forest and then take down Seton Hall, uh, LIU, and then LC the Bulldogs uh, tomorrow. It's been a a quiet week for them. Uh, No games on the schedule. And uh, so we're excited to see how things look. But this is a Rutgers team, too. Uh, Probably feels like, hey, this is a measuring card for us, and we'll get out here and see if we can't make some things happen. But uh, Clifford Amorier, I'm sure I pronounced that incorrectly. Don't judge me. 11.7 points a game. Also has 37 blocks, which leads the team. Pretty remarkable in that respect. Also a guy that's prone to get into some foul trouble. Uh, Andre Hyatt, 11 
11.5 points a game, the only two double-digit scores. They really kind of do it by committee. They play a lot of people. They play a lot of minutes. Uh, nobody on the team is averaging more than uh, just at 27 minutes per game. So a little more depth with this team than maybe perhaps that we've seen from some of our other opponents. Uh, but they're a team certainly wants to get after you and um, play some good defense. And that's really Chris Jan's style, right? We play defense. Uh, and then we'll come back after a week off for ourselves, and we'll play Bethune-Cookman uh, on Sunday, New Year's Eve. And so if you're looking to uh, celebrate ringing in the new year, you can come to Humphrey Coliseum at 2 o'clock and still make it to your New Year's Eve party. Uh, Bethune-Cookman, again, a team that we ought to be able to handle. That's pretty smart scheduling, if you ask me, on both sides of it. Uh, Bethune-Cookman currently 5-6 and six and uh, have lost two in a row. They will play one game before they see us, and that's going to be uh, tonight at Central Florida. If you're interested in finding that game, just do some advanced scouting of your own. You can find that game on the ESPN Plus app. And uh, the same thing for those of you that won't be at the Hump next Sunday, you can find it also on ESPN Plus. But um, excited about where we are. And, again, you know, updates on Tolu Smith. You know, he's still not ready to put a firm timeline on it. But uh, Tolu's out of the boot, going through practice. He's not limited. It's just going to be about getting his legs back under him. There was some discussion that we might see him at Christmas. And so, does he play this weekend? I would bet no, but I won't be surprised either way. Maybe just let him get out there and get a couple of minutes and, um, you know, just kind of see how he responds. So we'll see. But we do expect him back uh, for SEC play. There was some discussion before it, maybe January the 15th. Uh, if he's ahead of schedule and he can play without being a detriment to himself, we certainly need him to play. And uh, certainly we'd like to have him on the floor when we go to South Carolina January 6th to open SEC play. But uh, this is a, a program that uh, I believe is beginning to really thrive under Coach Chris Jans. We know that every time out we're going to have a good game plan. doesn't always work the way we hope. But, uh, hey, it's going to be one of those things, too, with, you know, the SEC. We, you never know how good the league is until we get in, into conference play. You think you know, but you really don't know. I mean, how many times have we seen in the past where teams like, uh, you know, Arkansas will go undefeated non-conference and then be kind of a 500 team and then get hot late? You just never really know. But taking a quick look at the standings, uh, Ole Miss undefeated in men's basketball. Were you aware of this? Yeah, 11-0. And then South Carolina's 10-1. So that's going to be a rock fight too, right, Coach? Uh, Kentucky and Mississippi State both 9-2. Auburn's 8-2. Tennessee 9-3. Florida 8-3. Georgia 8-3. Arkansas 8-4. Missouri 7-4. A&M 7-4. LSU 7-5. Alabama 6-5. Vanderbilt 4-7. Did you expect to see Alabama 6-5 this year? Yeah, maybe they should have won it all last year. Yeah. But um, a much different team this year. They've lost three games in a row. So, again, you can take all that and uh, get you 50 cents and get you a cup of coffee at the Dilo truck stop because uh, you, you really find out who's who uh, when we get into conference play. That's one of those things that I always think about. Uh, maybe not so much in baseball, but in men's basketball, it doesn't matter how good somebody is in non-conference. It doesn't matter what they're ranked. When you get into SEC play and you start competing against SEC athletes, that's when we separate the sheep from the goats. So many people out there 
put way too much emphasis on non-conference basketball. If you're losing those games, you have a right to be concerned. But just because you're winning and playing well in the, in the non-conference doesn't mean it's going to necessarily carry over to SEC play because things ratchet up. You don't need me to tell you that. You know that. And so if you're some of these teams at the bottom half of the SEC standings right now, just from an overall record standpoint, you got to be a little bit concerned because the quality of competition is only going to get tougher from this point forward. But uh, we all feel great about where we stand. We just want to make sure we can uh, get back to the tournament. And there's a good chance that both of these teams do just that. Now, we're going to sit down. Again, I told you guys we're going to give – everybody's taking a bit of a break. Uh, we've got some other things coming up. We're going to sit down with uh, Zach Selman again soon. Uh, we're going to sit down with Chris Lamonis, talk about the roster. There are some guys that were in the fall office with that won't return. That's it's how it is. It's always part of the deal. Many of those guys will go to junior college. Some will get in the portal. The advantage on the baseball side that's different is that you can become draftable by going to junior college. If you transfer to a four-year school, the normal rule still applies. So baseball is a little bit different. A lot of guys will opt to go to JUCO and kind of see what their options are after that rather than just going in the portal and tying themselves uh, and then keeping themselves, in many cases, out of the draft pool. So don't be shocked. Don't think it's an indictment on players and say, oh, he wasn't good enough here. He had to go to junior college. There's a lot of guys that went to junior college, including Nathaniel Lowe, um, you know, guys that – sign with somebody that ultimately go to junior college and then kind of reinvent themselves, right? It, it happens all the time. Uh, so we'll sit down with Lamona soon to kind of get an idea of what the roster looks like. We know there's a couple of guys that have already moved on, and uh, we'll keep the powder dry for all that. We don't want to, you know, break that news. And, you know, when the guys go public, they go public. Uh, but that's it's part of it. But we're excited about baseball. We're excited about basketball. Then we got a chance to have a really good spring semester here at Mississippi State. Uh, there's so many things to consider, too. You know, I mean, it's like I, I think this football hire thing has worked out well for us. You know, but we went through some of this last year, too, right? I don't know there was the same level of excitement. I think it was more relief than anything else because you hire Zach Arnett, you promote from within, he keeps the roster together. You get a top 25 class, you feel like, okay, that's great. And then, you know, we've made some other decisions that are well-documented that didn't work out the way we had hoped. Uh, but I think, Labby, there's more of a sense of excitement than there was with Arnett. I think really this year we were hoping the players would carry us more so than the coaching staff. Does that make sense? You, know, you had veteran guys, you had a favorable schedule, and you felt like, hey, we should be good. And then we did some things to kind of impede our own progress in that respect. Rebuilding the offense is one of them. I think you're going to do that again this year, but I think because of the fact that you know Jeff Lebby is a guy that is offensive-minded, he's going to be you know intimately involved in every detail of the offense – uh, I think you're going to see some big things happen, similar to when Dan Mullen took over. That's that's what I expect. Do I expect Levy to have the career that Dan Mullen had at Mississippi State? I don't know that I'm ready to go that far. But, you know, from from basically the first month of the 2009 season, you felt like, you know what, at least we're going to be able to score. I don't know how much we're going to win, but we're going to be able to score. That's kind of how I see this thing, too. I think Jeff Levy is going to have us scoring points. And with the attrition we've had on the defensive side of the football and a brand new staff, this defense is going to be really the difference between, you know, an average year or a good year. Is it going to be a great year? I don't think anybody should anticipate that. I don't think it's a fair characterization. Hey, if we go six and six, seven and five next year with that brutal schedule and we lose some shootouts and you're putting up some big points, I think everybody's like, you know what? We'll get defensive players. You know, we'll get there. 
We're not going to have any problem doing that. This state always produces those caliber of players. And uh, we're kind of at the end of a talent cycle right now. So we're going to take some lumps this year. And probably going to be some games we got to outscore people rather than out-defend people. Probably going to go out there and just kind of treat it like a Big 12 game. It's a good thing we got a guy that's got a lot of experience in the Big 12, right, and Jeff Levy. Uh, but, yeah, so people always say, Steve, what do you think about the class? What do you think about Levy so far? I think the jury's still out on, on both respects, but I like what Jeff has done so far. I think Jeff has done a good job putting his staff together. Do I have some concerns on the defensive side? Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah, you got some defensive guys that don't have a working relationship. You know, Levy, of course, is the tie that binds. And so getting those guys up to speed and getting them on one page is going to be a huge part of the spring. This year is going to be a growing year in that respect. But Levy has continued to say, and this is one of the things that I was told in the beginning when he had his interview, he doesn't see Mississippi State as a rebuild. He doesn't see 2024 as a rebuild. Of course, it will be an installation year for us, but Jeff expects to come in here and win. Uh, and that's the direction your coach should have. You should never look at it and say, hey, next year we're going to be lucky to get to a bowl game. You can never look at it that way. It's your job to figure out a way to get beyond that. A bowl game should be a given. I think we all see it that way. There's so many bowl games out there. You have so many opportunities. If you went all four of your non-conference games and just went two in the SEC, you're going to a bowl game. So that should be the minimum standard every single year, not, hey, let's just hope we make a bowl game. No, that should be the starting point that no season without a bowl game is ever considered acceptable. Now, I'm also not interested in being the Liberty Bowl mainstay. All due respect to those fine folks, Jan Gwynn and everybody involved with Liberty Bowl have been amazing to us. But we need to be in the upper tier. We, we've never been to the Capital One Bowl. We need to be there. We're going to knock that out, right? Get that off the list, right? Don't you want to be a part of that? I want to get back in a New Year's Six game. So our goal, in many respects, should be kind of like it was with Emory Ballard. And people used to laugh at Emory, but you know what? I admire coaches that have a vision. And you used to sit down, we're going to win the SEC this year. And people laughed. And we never did it under him. But I want coaches that are visionaries that aren't afraid to take on large expectations. No, as Joe Moore used to say, nobody rises to low expectations. Well, I think just making a bowl game is the foundational standard. It's not the expectation. It's a given. So it's like even in a rebuilding year, this is where we expect to be. We expect to be in Nashville or Memphis or Birmingham or whatever in a rebuilding year. When we get, you know, maybe we get a new quarterback or whatever. And so as a result, you know, maybe we take some lumps, but we should be in bowl games. And it, it sucks that we're 91 this year. And I've had some people say this, and I kind of agree because I wanted it so bad for the kids, right? After all they'd been through, I'd like for them to have an opportunity to play maybe one more game. And you've had all this portal stuff and trying to keep all this stuff together. And I think in the end, us not making a bowl game may have been the best thing for everybody, honestly. I mean, you never aspire to that. You never think, hey, we, not making a bowl game would be a good thing. But I think under the circumstances and all this program has been through for the last year, I think maybe not having the distraction of bowl prep has been a good thing for Jeff. And these coaches can go full bore into recruiting because you know we got to get some transfer guys coming here and flip this roster. Uh, but, again – there's always ebb and flow, you know. It's like you get, oh, we're not doing good in recruiting. Oh, we are doing good. No, we're not. No, yeah, we are. There's going to be some of that down the stretch too. You're not going to get all your favorite players. It's important to understand that. It's important to understand that. And, again, back to that first segment, just because somebody on the message board or social media says, oh, we have to have this guy, doesn't mean we do. And so I'm a trust the coaches kind of guy until they give you a reason not to trust them. This time last year we were trusting Zach Arnett, right? 
like, you know, hey, let's go get a dub. Let's see if we can make some things happen. You know, we, we get the signing day deal behind us. We'll go get the win. You've got a lot of juice. Probably had as much juice as the first-year coach at Mississippi State has ever had. Because more times than not, when we bring in a new coach, we're coming off a losing season. We're coming off a bad year. Coming off a transition where things maybe didn't go as well as we hoped. And so Arnett had the veteran roster. We didn't take advantage of it. We just didn't. But it's beyond discussion now. So we're not going to belabor the point. But I think Jeff Lebby and his staff have done a great job so far. Uh, I like the fact that they were able to get a little juice on signing day and add a couple more commitments. And we'd love to have had Keaton Thomas. I think he'll do a great job at Baylor. That's really the only setback you had, and it wasn't like you lost him off your commitment list. This is a guy that that had already committed to another program, and then you kind of confused him for a little bit. You got him to take a visit, got him to consider you. That's what good recruiters do. But ultimately, he sticks with his commitment. So you can't lose what you never had. But everything else on signing day was a positive for Mississippi State. Extremely positive. But now we have to finish. We can't just say, hey, look how great we did in December. No, no. we got to finish. And so all eyes are on those two big announcements on January 3rd and January 6th. And even with those, if we get those to go the way we want them to go, that's still not finished. We've got to go out and get some guys that are difference makers on defense because we have some pieces and you got to have pieces right it's like the luster's hind dog always says you know you got to have some scrubs to go along with the studs and i hate to call them you know scrubs but uh, you understand my point you got to have some guys that provide some depth that prevent some wear and tear it's all part of you know formulating a good plan on your roster that's an a, a, important aspect of all this stuff is just kind of making sure that you get Guys that not only can help you this year, because it's not junior college, you got to be able to get some guys that you can develop and hopefully stay with you three or four years, maybe even five. But right now, we're going to be in a transfer market in a big way. We have to go out there and be aggressive, and a good thing is we do have some money, and you can be creative with that money. A lot of people think, oh, I don't understand. These people are spending all this. Everybody's got a different plan. And not to say that one's better or worse than the other. You can say, but hey, Steve, look, you know, so-and-so spent all this money and they got all these players. You know, that all looks good now. What's it going to look like when they get here? Are you going to be able to meld a, a roster together and have a workable team to make things happen? you got to find people that fit your culture. There are going to be some other people, too, that have maybe already overspent and may not have the money to spend late. And, and it's crazy we're having these kinds of discussions, but that's the world in which we live. But I can assure you, your, your coaching staff is not oblivious to the remaining needs on this team. And I think that's another reason why having David Turner come back means so much because he knows who he has and what he needs. Chad Bumpus knew who he had and what he needs. And uh, Bumpus had a huge day, huge day on National Signing Day. I'm eager to see when this whole thing, this whole thing settles where Bumpus is, right, in the uh, national rankings of coaches. You knew that Chad would be able to recruit well. You know, everybody knew that. And this is a guy, too, of course, from Mississippi, can tell the Magnolia State story, talk about the rivalry. And Chad, let's be honest, let's call it for what it is. I don't care who you are or where you're from. When Chad Bumpus walks into a living room and sits down with families, they're going to walk away and say, you know what, I want my son to be just like that guy. That's the guy you want in there. Because you can say this is a young man that went to Mississippi State from Tupelo High School, went in, had a, a record-breaking career back at Mississippi State, 
I want my son to emulate the same qualities that this guy does. And it's not just, hey, I'm the coach from Mississippi State. Chad Bumpus is the guy that has lived this. He understands what it's, what it's like you know, to lose the Egg Bowl. He also understands what it's like to win the Egg Bowl. He understands the significance of all that. He didn't have to learn that because he's lived it as a player and now as a coach. And so, again, I think keeping Chad was the right decision, and now you've got plenty of evidence to support that decision and credit Jeff Lebby for, for being willing to listen. Because, you know, look, again, the fact that Jeff Lebby kept Chad Bumpus says a, a lot about both guys. Jeff Lebby is the offensive mastermind. You don't think that he already had his eye on a wide receiver coach before he and Chad Bumpus had their first discussions? You know he did. Because look at who all he hired. He hired people that he knew. And you got to know, on the offensive side of the football, there's some receiver coaches out there that he's either coached with or played with. that he's like, you know, this will be my guy. But he, but he was so impressed with Chad that he took Chad. And then Chad repays him by going out here and basically retooling the wide receiver room. It's incredible. And I think those relationships will just pay further dividends down the road. I think we all see it that way. And so I don't want to get so caught up and talk ourselves and thinking next year is going to be a great year. It's going to be first year, first year. And so having some modest expectations I think are good, but I think we're going to see a very exciting brand of football. Yeah, I think we all see it that way, you know. And uh, how good we go on defense will determine the quality of our season. And how we do on defense largely is going to depend on how well we do in the portal here in these final few weeks of the recruiting process. So we're going to have you full coverage over at jeanspage.com. Be sure and check in. You know, we're going to take a couple days to ourselves. Like yesterday was a travel day for me. I checked on the message board and writing thing yesterday for the first time in months. Um, but, yeah, we'll have a show up today. We've got Rian working some recruiting stuff. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, um, you know, we need some time too, right? And uh, it, the grind never stops. And, of course, the holidays are here. But uh, with Dana and I being empty nesters and she being kind of a Netflix person, that kind of stuff, there'll be times that I'll – I'll just kind of come in here and write because I enjoy writing. I don't, I, writing never feels like a job to me. The research doesn't feel like a job to me. The inter- transcriber and interview sometimes does. But, um, you know, we enjoy what we do, and we're so glad that we can bring some value to you and your life. Uh, but, listen, the next time that you hear my voice, we're going to be – it's going to be Christmas Day, uh, unless Dana talks to me out of not recording that day. But I like to stay on schedule. You know I'm an addict. But, uh, but listen, we love you. And uh, even if you don't, you know, I'll get some people that listen to my show just so they can talk trash about me. You know what? I love you too. I do. And I wish the best for you and your family. And I uh, hope that you guys can, uh, can have a great holiday season. And I hope you get everything you ask for on your list. I hope you get some needful things and maybe some wantful things. You know, dad always gets the, uh, you know, gets the, you know, the, the, the socks and the tie tack and that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, for me, I always get a little bit embarrassed when somebody gives me something super nice, even when Dana does it. I always, I'd rather go do things and have things. But when she buys me something like that, I always feel like I wish she would have done this. You know, and it's because I'd rather her spend the money on the kids or something, and maybe that, that comes off maybe self-loathing. But I love to be able to buy her things. I love to be able to buy my kids things. I love to be able to, and it's one, that's why I work as hard as I do, right, is to provide for them and to be able to give them some of the things that they want in life. That's an important aspect of all of this. And to me, forget the commercial aspect of it, right? 
It's about making somebody you love happy. It's about making somebody you love smile. And I love being able to pull out that gift, that secret gift, you know, that all good dads and all good husbands have when everybody thinks it's all over and done with and all of a sudden, but wait, there's one more. And it's that one thing that your wife would never buy for herself. You know, whether it be a trip or a spa day, something like that, something amazing. Do something cool for her because she does so much for all of us, right? I mean, I, I can tell you this. People talk about how strong and how hardworking I am. Guys, I would get crushed uh, when you begin to add up all the things that Dana Robertson does for me and for the, these children and these grandchildren of ours. And I'm sure that the arrangement is the same for you. And I'm so appreciative uh, every time that, you know, it's like, I got to think about this. She took care of all that, right? And uh, again, we, we get out in the house and find that. Don't get me wrong. We do. We still get out and live like kids sometimes. You know, we, uh, even though we're in our 50s, sometimes we feel like we're in our 20s. And uh, it's like, hey, let's uh, let's get in the car and go see uh, let's go see Def Leppard play or something. You know, we 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 have fun. We don't just sit around waiting to die, right? We're not just sitting around waiting for our kids to, you know, fill the house with grandkids. We still get out and go have some fun. We had an absolute blast in Ohio, and uh, really wish we could have stayed a couple more days, to be honest with you. But I was ready to get back. But again, my hope is is that uh, not just that you get what you want. But you go out of your way to help somebody else get what they want. That's the joy in life. You know, we get so caught up in all the, the self-care. You know, it's like you got to take care of self. You know, guys, the thing that I have learned about life, you know what makes me happiest is making somebody else happy. It makes me happy to do something special for somebody that I care about. And there'll be sometimes I go write an article and I think to myself, I know this is going to absolutely kill. It's going to make people happy. They're not even expecting this. And it's a small thing, but it's a big thing to me. And so let's go out there and make somebody else happy here in these next few days. And don't forget the reason for the season. Don't ever forget the reason for the season. There's so many people out there that, you know, that tell you this. And listen, I'm not one that's going to sit here and tell you what you should and shouldn't believe. But, um, you know, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And um, let's not ever forget in the middle of all the eggnog and the Christmas carols and things like that that uh, – pretty big sacrifice out there the ultimate sacrifice made for each and every one of us until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live